Good morning. It's great to be here, and it's good to see all of you here. Let's start with a reading from a book entitled The Book of Awakening by Mark Nepo. For the flower, it is fully open at each step of its blossoming. We do ourselves a great disservice by judging where we are in comparison to some final destination. This is one of the pains of aspiring to become something. The stage of development we are in is always seen against the imagined landscape of what we are striving for. So where we are, though closer all the time, is never quite enough. The simple rose, at each moment of its slow blossoming, is as open as it can be. The same is true of our lives. In each stage of our unfolding, we are stretched as possible. For the human heart is quite slow to blossom and is only seen as lacking when compared to the imagined lover or father or mother we'd like to become. Perhaps one of the hardest remedies to accept for our pain of becoming is that wherever we are in our path, no matter how flawed or incomplete, is a blossoming unto itself. However much we've done at the end of the day is more than enough. It is dream becoming truth. Oh, happy Solstice Day, or Merry Solstice, or Super Duper Solstice. I'm not quite sure what the <laughs> right words are, but it's a truly marvelous day filled with deep meaning and teaching for us. So let's begin by taking a thought journey, a trip in our imagination, and look at this same day through the eyes of our ancestors 100,000 years ago or more. Through those eyes, we see that the days have grown shorter and colder. Plants wither and die. The trees have lost their leaves. The animals, so much a part of life and culture and well-being, are scarce. What does it mean? Is this an ending? Is this the ultimate loss? Yet with this day comes some excitement because we know that we are about to witness and participate in the most sacred mystery. In this dark time, this cold night, the sun, the light itself, life is reborn. And that rebirth has meaning at every level of experience. And it forms the basis for understanding everything in life as an endlessly repeating cycle of rebirth, transformation, and renewal. Our ancestors, thousands of years ago, learned incredible teachings, not from books, because there were none, but from listening deeply to the world around them watching the cycles and patterns of change as they unfolded. 
nature not as facts or descriptions, nature as an intimate and wise ultimate teacher. And we're lucky because we have that teacher right here, we can look right out at it. So beyond me is the teaching itself. There is a way of being present in our lives that is kind and wise. It's a way that's based on these lessons that we learn from observing the changes and transformations in nature. We can see in our own life experiences the same principles and processes that we find happening in nature. And we can tend our life experience as we would tend a garden. And I would like to share some of these wise principles that have been recognized by many different traditions. This approach, seeing life and experience and mind as a garden, is very different from the way that we have been accustomed to what we learn growing up in this world. The way we learn to relate to what happens in us and around us is an orientation of dualities. There's good and there's bad. You can do things right or wrong. There are outcomes to be considered, and control is very, very important. In order to work with these dualities, we need effort and willpower. There's always the possibility of success or failure. It's a point of view in which judgment and blame are common. If you did things wrong, why did you do them that way? Why not do it different? If you've ever dealt, dealt with an inner critic, any of y'all ever have an inner critic? You've experienced this orientation to life. If we looked at nature from this point of view, we would say that winter is the failure of spring to get anywhere significant. <laughs> If we can understand our experience as embodying the same processes that we see unfolding in a garden, our relationship to life changes dramatically. And the first principle is to think of our mind states, what we're experiencing as seeds, seeds like in a garden. Just like a garden holds many different possible seeds, we can see that our mind contains the seeds for any experience or mind state that can be imagined. We can experience joy and fear, suffering, compassion, anger, confusion, wisdom, clarity. We all have those seeds as part of what it is to be human. And the second principle is that given the right conditions, those seeds will sprout. Today, the conditions are right for me to be talking about things that I hope are useful and beneficial, but if you put me in a car on a cold day in slow traffic on Uri Drive, the conditions are right for a different set of seeds to sprout. I'll be very frustrated and contracted and angry. 
Those seeds are all there, and given the right conditions, those seeds sprout. Already we can see this is much more compassionate than our usual way of approaching things. We can let go of the blame or the judgment for what's happening in our experience. Whether I'm feeling anger or joy, those are possibilities within me, seeds that have met conditions that allow them to grow. So our job changes. Rather from trying to make ourselves do right, to engage in effort to achieve something, our job is to choose which seeds to water. It sprouted, but now what do we do with it? A gardener doesn't blame the garden for weeds, but chooses to nurture tomatoes and carrots. It's not that the weed is bad. They actually become a treasured part of the process of growth when added to the compost. It's an entirely non-judgmental way of relating to a process, and we can use this in our own experience. That you feel anger or fear or frustration isn't about bad or good. It's about a seed that's there and whether you choose to nurture and nourish that. This helps our approach to others as well. Whatever state we see them in, we know that those are simply seeds of mind sprouting. The conditions have been met for that. Another principle that we can learn from the garden, and that we can learn looking deeply into our minds, is that what we are seeing is an interdependent process rather than something to control. A gardener works with changing weather, insects, birds, animals, a part of the process, a part of the system, rather than trying to control it. If you've ever tried to control a garden, it doesn't work very well. Within us as well, we have changing conditions different mind states arising. We can work with changing process rather than trying to control outcomes. So with this principle, life is not about control, but about skillful participation. If anger arises in me, rather than my job being to control it, is how can I skillfully work with what is there? So our big question becomes, what seeds do we want to nurture? What do we want to devote our attention to? There are certain qualities of mind, certain mind states that help us become good gardeners. And we want to notice these when they're present, to be mindful of them, to tend them carefully. The first of these is equanimity, being equal-minded towards things. A good gardener is willing to tend the garden no matter what conditions are there. You don't just garden on days when it's 72 degrees and not raining. If it's hot or cold, whether the weather is wet or dry, whether there's insects or birds, whether the harvest is looking abundant or meager, 
we can engage the garden, whatever it is at the moment, equally open to whatever is there. If we understand this, how our mind works, we can be open and present no matter what. A moment of kindness and joy, we can be open to that. That's what's arising. A moment of confusion, well, that's what's present in the inner garden right now. A moment of fear or anger or any of the other myriad possibilities. Whatever it is, that's the condition of the garden right now, and I can be equally open to it. No matter what is arising, open and present. And again, this helps us with others as well. Whatever states or conditions we find them in, open, present. And with this equanimity, we can also be compassionate, a second mind state worth cultivating. Rather than finding things in experience that we judge as wrong or bad, instead we find states that are suffering. My anger is not bad, it hurts. It's a very different way of relating to things. It's something that is calling for my compassionate present, not my control. And the third quality, perhaps the most important one, is discernment. To tend a garden well, the gardener must discern the difference between a weed and a vegetable. Some learning and experience is required there. It's not control, it's seeing clearly. What is this that I'm looking at? Am I seeing something in my present experience that is related to my suffering, or is it related to my well-being and happiness? The gardener must see what conditions and soil and water are best for what's growing. What actually grows here? What grows at this time of year? I've heard that gardeners that with not much experience um, have the idea that, well, we can plant anything at any time of year. I have the seeds, right? And I have a watering can. We need discernment. What are the actual conditions? What is this that I'm seeing right now? And it is discernment that gives us the patience and wisdom to see the phases and cycles of transformation. Moving from seed to shoot to flower to fruit and seed and dormancy. And in us, moving in a process of beginnings and endings, unfolding, change and transformation. And it is discernment that lets us truly see that in the midst of dormancy and darkness, in the midst of winter, a miracle is happening. It is one of the deepest lessons we learn in tending our experience. That deep lesson, 
unfolds for us at this sacred time of year, the solstice, as it did for our ancestors. It is good news. We know this lesson already. We have known it deep within since endless time, beyond and before our birth. The light returns always and forever. Albert Camus wrote, In the midst of my darkness, I found the sun within myself. Here is the eternal gift of the season. It cannot be given to us because it is already ours. Ours to recognize, embrace, and celebrate. Light and life is reborn in you and as you now. As you tend your garden in your darkness, whatever that may be, in dormancy and silence, may you find forever refreshed and endlessly reborn the sun within yourself. Thank you very, very much.